0: Episode 8 Episode 8 8 is great 8 is great Because Maybe just ice tea. New Jack Hustler We've got some H-U-S-T-L-A-R Hustlers On the pod this week We've
1: got some real pieces of trash Let's just be straight up Con men Preying on the faithful
0: This week I'm starting with the divorces Of Seaman <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard mm. Mm. i need another shower
1: yeah uh yeah i'm doing uh jim and tammy baker where honestly the
0: their their divorce i love her
1: yeah their divorce was not overwhelmingly trashy but everything that led up to it was
0: (sighs) folks settle in get ready for another episode
1: pour yourself a something good lord we did yeah
0: just to get through it
1: these people are Uh, gross.
0: this week no tears
1: Oh, yeah, no tears. yeah,
0: if you would worried, oh God, trashy divorces going soft.
1: Not an empathy podcast this week. Nobody nope
0: well, nope. a little bit, I mean, I mean, tammy face great, and there's some seriously shitty behavior that goes on, and we have empathy for the victims of that shitty behavior, but we're funny like that podcast, no tears,
1: yeah, hundred yeah, yeah.
0: percent. I'm feeling pretty good.
1: going for the trash.
0: Welcome to trashy divorces.
1: Hey Alicia, how are you doing this week? I am amped up. Are you? Are you amped no, up? No tears. Tell me, tell I me. Have no tears. Not a tear.
0: No tear. Not in,
1: an empathy podcast this week.
0: Nope. I let my Scotch Irish come out. Oh, so not that this story has anything to do with that, but I have ire.
1: Drinking Scotch.
0: I'm drinking whiskey to tell you the story because I feel so fucking skeeved out. I, I okay, today, <clears throat> yeah, I bring to you mm. the trashy divorces arc. Of the greatest huckster, shyster, hustler on earth, or the greatest man who ever lived, depending on who you ask. Oh, I see. But I'm pretty sure his two ex-wives would go with greatest huckster. He'd go with the second. Well. Dude bro is five trash bags, and let's just end the story now. I mean, like, maybe that's as amped up as I want to get, and you don't want to hear the rest, but.
1: Great. I have, I I. Something in those along those lines, but I think less. Oh no, I'm 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 you're, a little amped. You're a little amped. All right. So I'm not Who you gonna, got?
0: Uh, I'm not going to recommend any of the rabbit holes I went down in research because <laughs> I bunny bounced all over the place and found some really shady things. <laughs> I am not going to connect any listener. Thank you, listeners, to anything dicey or related to Scientology. So in this oh. case, Wikipedia oh. is your friend. Just in general, if you need a launch pad and want to find out more about my trash bag. You're not doing Tom Cruise, are you? N- not yet. Oh. But he's coming. Not this season. Next season. Okay. Because, just be glad it's him, not you. Hey, Jonathan Colton. Anyway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, uh, So, there are a lot of good podcasts out there covering all the aspects of the life of my flaming trash can today.
1: Whose name is? L. Ron Hubbard. Did I... Did, were you going to wait on that? No, it's cool. No, okay. th- But here's the thing.
0: All the podcasts are typically arcs. Yeah. They're two or three or seven episodes. Like, there's a lot to the life.
1: Having listened to at least one or... Sure. Or, like, adjacent sure. podcasts about people adjacent to him, because he really ran in a oh, strange milieu. Egg. Yeah, yeah, I can see. So, there's a lot to cover. However... Mm-hmm. This is trashy divorces.
0: Mm-hmm. So I centered in specifically Well done on his two trashy divorces. Sure. I was lamenting earlier writing this story because I had whatever 19 more pages of research about his third wife. And then I maybe poured a glass of wine and was like, wait, there was no divorce there. I could cut the story off right here because I feel as skeevy as I want to feel. So I didn't need to do 18 more pages. So I'm covering. L. Ron Hubbard's first two wives and the divorces thereof. Okay. came here to chew bubblegum and talk some divorces. Now I'm all out of bubblegum. You ready to do this?
1: May as well.
0: First and foremost, the entire only good part of the story mm-hmm. is that the L in L. Ron Hubbard is short for Lafayette, which I now can sing a little Happy Hamilton before I tell the sordid tale. Because America's favorite fighting Frenchman, Lafayette. Lafayette. Ah, oh, it's the only good part of this whole story. <laughs> what? Tell me the story then. Ron has three wives, two divorces. Polly, Sarah. He both divorces from Mary Sue is his widow, and Polly. Because I can't help myself. Okay. Before we begin the tragic tale of his two ex-wives, please allow El Ron to tell you about himself. And baby, whoa, baby, this dude is a (laughs) self-promoter. He has been self-promoting his entire life because he is a con artist and a shuckster and a lying liar. So as a child, he was a blood brother to this fictitious Indian tribe, and the chief promotes him to another chief, and he was born on a ranch to this rich tycoon, and he's the youngest Eagle Scout in the history of the world, and he's a daredevil, daredevil fighter pilot and a war hero, and he's blinded and resurrected through his own being and gets his sight back. And this is before he takes enough drugs and does enough sex magic to concoct Dianetics and Scientology. Would sort of make him infamous. Okay. First wife. And Polly. Margaret Louise, who always goes by Polly. Okay. Grub. Grub. Yeah, Grub. Polly Grub. Polly Grub. Born in Maryland in 1907, she's the only child of a farming family. Her father operates a plant nursery. Her mom dies when she's young. Polly takes her first job in a shoe shop at 16 to support herself and her dad. Polly is a keen glider pilot because gliding, gliding, because um, aeronautics and aeronautics. I was going to say, kind of when
1: amazing. was this This again? is 1933.
0: Okay. So gliding is a thing because it's a plane without an engine. engine yeah. And you launch off or spring off or fall off something and. Use the wind to—it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big, deal.
1: It's a big deal. No one—One one night recently, I spent like three hours reading the Wright brothers Wikipedia page. It's very long, but and gliding. Well, they—I mean, really? they invented the first airplanes. But um, God, I
0: should have been drinking in aviation. But
1: obviously, you see, they started. Damn. That may have actually been what got me there. Uh, there, and
0: anyway, it all comes back around. It all comes back around. So Polly is a keen glider pilot. And meets
1: Lafayette,
0: no, L. Ron Hubbard, on a Maryland gliding field in early 1933. Okay. Uh, They're both learning to fly and they want to get a pilot's license. At the time, old Ronnie is self-employed. He's a writer of pulp fiction stories. The two begin a hot and heavy blind date turned into romance. By April, they're married. Settle down in Maryland, start family life. All right. Everything is great. She does miscarry. They do have a son the following year who Lafayette Ron Jr. changes into his name in 1972. Coming up, wrap right back around to that. Once he find, you know, is certain his father's a lunatic, but that comes later. <clears up. throat> they have a daughter in 1936 named Kay. In 1936, they move to Washington near L. Ron Hubbard's family where he decides to establish a, I'm doing a Ross quote, Writing studio. Okay. From where he produces many of his pulp short stories and novels. Because he wants to write too. He's not just a famous Eagle Scout, Chieftain Tribe, Daredevil pilot. He wants to be a...
1: Like a serious writer. He, paperback Oh,
0: writer. no. No, sci-fi, just, pulp fiction. Like, he's in the club. He's, wasn't
1: that what he was doing when they met, though? Yeah, but... Okay, so he just wants to do more of it.
0: God, he's a jack. So he begins to spend long periods away in New York with all of his writer friends, and the word is uh, he's reliable with the ladies.
1: Now I see why you said that thing to me earlier that you said. I was very confused. What did I say? That I couldn't go to New York to hang out with all my writer friends. That's exactly correct. Nobody, nope. I was like, I don't think I have any writer friends in New York. Nor will you have any in the future.
0: So, Polly thinks he's having affairs, which she ends up finding hard evidence of his adulterous philandering. It seems that Ronnie had written letters to a couple of his honeys in New York and left them in the mailbox to be picked up. But Polly goes to, like, you know, put out the electric bill or whatever, finds them, gets mad, opens the envelope, switches letters oh, no. to his honeys and oh, put them sack in the box.
1: That's brilliant. That. She is really really brilliant. good. Um, she didn't tell Ron what she had done until they'd been picked up,
0: which is stone cold, Polly, and I love it. That, I am a hundred percent in for it.
1: That is, yep yep yep. That is called not losing your head because I think a lot of people don't lose your head. Don't. You, you'd freak out tear them up or no, Polly? Polly, hold like, on to them to throw oh, them wait. in your yeah. I can fuck with this guy.
0: <laughs> I don't <laughs> cheat I don't on know me. If I have the. uh date that poly, the month polly was born i wonder what astrological science she is we'll talk about it in the in a future episode anyway polly stone cold stone cold polly
1: okay she's <laughs> so good right i mean Shh. props because yeah i i'm just imagining myself i would i don't know i would throw them away and then i would retrieve them from the trash to throw them you know at my partner's face like that that's i it would never occur to me, like oh. Stone Cold oh. Paul.
0: I mean, so good.
1: Switcheroo.
0: Okay. Um. It's very Mark Twainish. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's, it's really good. I guess they work it out enough that they sail to Alaska in 1938, and old Ronnie ends up joining the Navy for war service. <laughs> <sighs> Once this happens, other than a period in 1943 when Hubbard is stationed in Oregon. Um, They don't really see each other. By the end of the war, it's evident this marriage cannot be saved. Polly and the kids move in with his parents. She does not see him. What's the word? Obstensibly. Obstentatiously.
1: I'm not sure what you're trying to say. Apparently, she
0: doesn't see him between 1945 and June of 1947. Okay. He ends up like she's cheating on me.
1: Living with his parents.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that's the case because he's a lying liar, sure. which we're going to find more about soon. Right. So he's gone and she's like, fuck it. Peggy files for divorce in Washington in April 1947 on the grounds of desertion and non-support as neither she nor her children were uh, obtaining any support from yeah. Ronnie on the lamb.
1: Yeah. I think you mean G.I. Ronnie?
0: G.I. Ronnie.
1: Oh, wait, no. He was a seaman.
0: Sorry, if anyone hasn't ever listened to the Captain's Wife's Lament by Paul and Storm, please go do it now, because now I'm going to be thinking about semen for the rest of the story. Stop. Concentrate. So Polly has no idea that until she gets in divorce proceedings that had begun the previous year, that old L. Ron, on his time away, has married someone else in his life on the lamb and has become a bigamist. The new wife doesn't know about Polly. She should have swapped the letters more. Jesus Christ. So we're going to get to Sarah, the second wife. Uh, But that story is so trashy.
1: What? I don't want
0: to mesh the two. Sarah's story is standalone. Okay, so she's, Polly is in? Polly is living with mom and dad, files divorce
1: proceedings. And
0: once she gets to court, she finds out she has married someone
1: else the year before. Little thing called discovery or whatever. Holy shit. Okay. So, seriously, Sarah's... You know, judges don't like
0: that. (laughs) Sarah's coming. For the purposes of this narrative, L. Ron Hubbard agrees to divorce in June. You think? Which is final on Christmas Eve of 1947. Polly gets custody of the kids. He has to pay $25 a month per child, which he does not. Well as in early 1951, Polly ends up suing him for maintenance, charging that he promoted a cult called Dianetics. Hmm. This is after he had written the book, Mm -hmm. Own Valuable Property, was well, you know, well equipped to afford the payment that she demanded 42 months of support payments. Yeah. Totaling $2,500, essentially. Uh, Hubbard also failed to pay a debt. On the National Bank of Commerce Taken out in 1940 Which is about 900 bucks Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, lying liar Responds to these claims Saying Polly shouldn't have custody of the kids Because she drinks to excess And is a
1: dipsomaniac I'm sorry, dipsomaniac?
0: It's a person addicted to alcohol it's an alcoholic, a dipsomaniac. Really? It's a fan, yeah.
1: Why don't we live in olden times when they used words like? they words like dipsomaniac.
0: This is an intervention for your dipsomania.
1: I'm going to drink a sip of my God, beer I'm now. Have a drink a whiskey to suffer of... some dipsomania. It only gets worse. Okay. Rarely gets better in our stories. <clears throat> Polly
0: does get divorced now, just like Sarah's her own standalone story. We're going to move into Sarah, but Polly will come back. We're, she's not quite done yet. But just to let you know, she does end up divorced. Natch. Uh, Marries a man called John Oaks, moves to Pennsylvania. She is reported to have died in 1963. No one really talks about her. We're going to bring her back in the present story in the past. It's all back to the future. (laughs) Let's roll back to August 1945.
1: Okay. Okay. We've
0: left 1947.
1: So, he's, so right. He's he's We're away, he's away at sea, except he's marrying some other. Child.
0: Yeah. G.I. Ronnie, who's on the lamb. Seaman. Seaman. Ah. Uh, uh, Seaman comes in. Oh, no. Seaman moves in. Oh. Seaman <clears throat> decides to go visit. Seaman Hubbard. Seaman Hubbard decides to go visit rocket scientist and occultist. John Whiteside Parsons Fuck also known as Jack yeah. Parsons in Pasadena.
1: Fuck yeah. Dude, dude. That guy is uh, There ugh. is an amazing episode of The Dollop about Jack Parsons that is both like disgusting and hilarious and ugh. It was so it yeah, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Like I,
0: on purpose, listen mm-hmm. to no other podcast sure. about this except for one, which I mentioned at the end called... I'm going to call it out now because it really was fascinating. Um, indoctrination podcast. There was an episode from last year with L. Ron Hubbard's great-great-grandson that was an interesting sort of, this is my family lineage, what have I found out about it? He is from... He's from this great great grandmother. Polly is his great great grandmother. Okay, his dad is the one who took a new name. He has a lot to say about it, which is fascinating. It's the only podcast I listen to. Okay, but there are a ton out there that cover. Oh sure, all, sure. Because uh, this story no, this goes guy, everywhere. This dude
1: and the and the people he ran <laughs> with are all so they're such freaks. So skeet. They are, and I actually that's an offense to freaks because. I would ah, say are better than this I would They're say yeah steedy. most freaky people are really cool but yeah these are not these are not good people they have their own genius and I think for Elrond it's uh it's marketing but like no Jack Parson legit is one of the founders of rocketry um, but okay. crazy yeah
0: okay off the charts so you know where you're gonna need to shower after this <laughs> okay. So seaman Ronnie on the lamb <laughs> comes to visit Jack Parsons. And uh Which just must always have been a fascinating mm-hmm. thing to do. Comes to visit Jack Parsons, who is married to this woman named Helen. hmm Ronnie also begins an intense affair with Parsons' girlfriend, Sarah. Who is Helen's sister? I was going to say, wasn't she? Yes. Okay. Oh my god. So this begins like. Uh Uh Okay, so Sarah is Jack Parsons' girlfriend. Yep. But she's also Jack's wife's sister, Sister sister-in-law. She is Jack's
1: sister-in-law. Oh yeah, Jack's wife's sister-in-law, married to Jack's wife Helen and Seaman Elrond's girlfriend now. But
0: so a little backstory about Sarah as. She's a whole story all on her own. And again, I need to keep this to a 30 to 40 minute right. story to tell. Right. Sarah's mother first married Thomas Cowley, an Englishman working for Standard Oil. The couple had three daughters in 1923. Mama consulted a Ouija board that said to move to Pasadena. So maybe her family's already a little out there. Sarah's upbringing was marred by her sexually abusive father who went to jail in 1928 for financial fraud. She was sexually active from an unusually young age, uh, said she lost her virginity at the age of 10. At 15, Sarah moves in with Helen, her sister, and her husband, Jack Parsons, who were both members of this Ordo Templi Orientis? Indeed. O.T.O., the Pasadena branch of this cult... Um, As she's finishing high
1: school. Oh, yeah. No, it was Aleister Crowley's cult. So Jack Parsons
0: divides this house, a rambling mansion next door to the estate of Aldolphus Bush, which later becomes the first Bush Gardens, (coughs) into 19 apartments, which he populated with a mixture of artists, writers, scientists, occultists, and from what... Isn't written, but I assume a lot of drugs.
1: Oh, it's from what I can tell. I mean, Crowley himself was apparently ingesting more heroin a than a lot of drugs, uh huh. Than, like, a human should be able to without dying all the time. So, Sarah's
0: parents are cool with this. They give Jack Parsons some cash to support, you know, their girls financially. Yeah, sure, Nicer Sarah, then. you know, gets not 15, grows up a little, joins the. Uh, cult, the O.T.O. Oh, moves up in the ranks sure. And apparently in 1941 Helen goes on vacation
1: Oh, well that
0: was a mistake <laughs> uh, In June of 1941 Helen goes on vacation mm-hmm. And at the age of 17 Sarah uh, Begins a passionate affair With Parsons She's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, super blonde Super skinny and an apparent Sex machine Hmm Helen comes back. Well, finds Sarah wearing her clothes and calling herself Jack Parsons' new wife. Ah, that's fascinating. Apparently, this is cool and permissible behavior in the cult, which yeah. is why maybe you
1: should call your dad or yeah. someone else who so, loves sounds you. Sounds like dad wouldn't be a good call in this case. God, it's all bad. Oh, do you guys need more money for care and feeding Neither. of the girls that you're fucking? <laughs>
0: okay. I mean, it's all bad. Apparently, there's a lot of back and forth with Jack and Helen and Sarah.
1: Oh, I, I would I would imagine there was a lot
0: of back and forth. Well, Jack's like, oh, Helen, you're a far superior person. You're a goddess among women, but Sarah has sex magic. Like, it's... it. Okay, <laughs> so... Um, Helen, I don't know, 43, starts her own affair... Sarah acquires such a reputation that Alistair Crowley dubs her the alley cat after one of the people from the house says Parsons attraction to her was like a yellow pup bumming around with the snout glued to the rump of an alley cat Crowley Concludes that she's a vampire who is seeking destruction of Jack Parsons and his own OTO cult. And she is a grave danger to his
1: plans. I mean, that seems like the obvious conclusion. Mm.
0: Dun, 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 dun.
1: The 17-year-old vampire.
0: Enter 1945 and Seaman Ronnie Boy.
1: Seaman Roddy Boy to the rescue. So
0: after about three months of living with them, mm. he and Sarah start a torrid affair. He comes in. Jack loves him. Hey, Ron, stay. Cool. Sounds good. I'm on leave. <laughs> Sarah, later, she says this later, which is funny. He was not only a writer, but he was captain of a ship oh, that had been downed in the Pacific, and he was weeks on a raft and had been blinded by the sun, and his back had been broken. She believes all of it. Oh, sure. Although none of his claims none of, it's true. of wartime action or injuries are true, sure, sure. because he's a lying liar. Yep. They start their affair. Jack Parsons is sad, but like he gets that within two months, Sarah has transferred all of her sex magic that she was giving to him over to Seaman Ronnie. There's a lot of tension. They're all living together. In early 1946, they all decide it's a super groovy idea to go into business together.
1: There's just a lot of good, thoughtful stuff happening here. And drugs. So they decide
0: to go into business buying yachts on the East Coast and sailing them to California to sell at a profit.
1: They set up a business partnership. This is not going to go well.
0: Oh, God. Jack, Sarah, and... Helen? And Ronnie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because he can sell. Well, in theory. Jesus Christ. They set up a business partnership under the name of Allied Enterprises, Parsons pretty much puts up his life savings. He's yep. got $20,000 into it. Yep. Hubbard adds $1,200. Sarah's got nothing. Ron and Sarah take off for Florida towards the end of April, taking $10,000 drawn from their account to purchase the first yacht. <laughs> Ghosted. Yeah. Weeks pass without a word. Yep. From Seaman Ron or Sarah swindled, swindled. Yep. In July, Jack Parsons takes him to court. He... They settle out of court. He gets back a little money. Ron and Sarah keep the boat, called the harpoon. They sell later to get some cash. Old Ron, swindler, lying liar that he is, tries to get the Veterans Administration to increase his pension. Sarah writes lying lying letters for him. He takes testosterone, and he has a sexy girl, and he can't get it up, and... All of these are noted within the VA for him trying to lament his poor life with it it's all trash. They're carrying on their affair. Sure. And then like all the trashy boys that have ever come before him and will come after him.
1: Is he's not divorced yet from Polly. <laughs> no, this is nineteen forty
0: six. He's sailing around the world
1: with on the with harpoon Sarah. with Sarah. While still married to... He's, Polly's living with his mom and dad. Your favorite word, absconded. He's absconded. He's absconded. From Polly. Hanging out with a bunch Sailing of... Sailing around the world. Ordo Templi Orientis dudes who founded branches of science yep. and stealing boats. Yeah. From them. You're right there.
0: <laughs> so, like... It's, it's, the, it's the dream. Like trash men. Oh, this makes me so mad. He <laughs> proposes marriage to Sarah, which she's like, nobody. No, thanks. I'm good. Like, we're fine. We're on a boat. We're on a motherfucking boat. I'm on Think, a boat. I'm on a boat. Things yeah. are fine. And this is the trash bag move of it. He threatens to kill himself, which is such a plea of death. Like, it is such a, it makes me angry. And Sarah's like, oh, Okay. I guess if you're going to kill yourself and I can be like If this is your relationship, it is not a healthy relationship and you need to GTFO right now. Get help, find a resource. Like, this is the part that gets my... He's a lying liar. Dander up. So they wake up a minister in the middle of the night in August of 1946. Just like Drew Barrymore. Yeah, get the minister's wife and housekeeper to be witnesses. And I said August 1946, so you have already
1: recalled the problem. And Polly. And Polly.
0: It was not until much later.
1: I guess this technically is Polly, though. In an amorous Ah. sense. Yeah, okay, he's a
0: bigamist, sorry. So it was not until much later that Sarah discovers that Seaman Ron has never been divorced from Polly. Now she's married to a bigamist. Sarah and Ron move repeatedly over the following year, and really have no place to land because, right? They've been kicked out of the OTO. They got to do their sex magic on their own. And where does <laughs> Seaman Ronnie think to go? Polly's house. Oh, Polly's house. Now remember, Polly had filed for divorce, right? On grounds right. Of desertion, non-support.
1: Wasn't she living with his parents?
0: Uh, I guess she had a, a home okay. back in South Colby, right. Washington. They
1: still had a house. Okay.
0: She was not aware about Sarah, that he had married her. So here come Sarah and Seaman Ronnie, three weeks after the divorce was filed. His family is like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, they're pissed. Like, they, Polly's, like, what do you, what is wrong? Sarah is like... Why is everybody acting so weird? What up, everyone? Exactly. She doesn't know why people are treating her so strangely until the son, who DeWolf, like Ron DeWolf renames himself later, told her, like, hey, my mom and dad are still married and they're in divorce proceedings. Sarah tries to get out. She tries to flee on a ferry. And he, of course oh, stay, I'll kill myself. We're We're getting a divorce and everything's fine. And she ends up staying. And he writes more stories for pulp magazines and it's just bad. Their marriage is troubled. He pretty much assaults a prolonged campaign of domestic violence against her. The relationship is not easy. He begins beating her. In the summer of 1946, her dad had just died. Like, it's all, it's all bad. But he's struggling with constant writer's block and leaned on her to provide plot ideas. So he's writing and she believes, like, he must be suffering or he wouldn't act that way. So, Stephen Ronnie gets convicted of petty theft in San Luis Obispo in August of 48. Couple moves to Savannah again she's doing all of his work she ends up transcribing a book which becomes dianetics the modern science of mental health which becomes the basis for dianetics and in turn Cy- this is
1: like the guy you want to talk to about mental health
0: sex magic man anyway it turns into scientology and he's a hustler Sarah gives birth to one child. She's made a director of the Dianetics Foundation, because now they have money, and she becomes a counselor, but they're going broke. Like, money's going out as fast as it's coming in, and in the course of this financial stress and being a lying liar, Ronnie starts an affair with his 22-year-old PR assistant. Unexpected.
1: Sarah finds out. And it's, she, is like, oh, that's cool. She's yeah. no pissed.
0: Okay. And Ron's like, hey, it's cool. Let's have a double date. Oh,
1: my God. A double date. It, that is not how that works. A double date. And Sarah ends up beginning
0: an affair with Miles Hollister, who the double date is with. Oh. Who is 22 and hot, like more her age.
1: Okay, that is how a double College date works. College educated.
0: Then. He's a sportsman. Like, Wait, he's... are you
1: telling me that L. Ron Hubbard set up his wife with a new boyfriend so that she and he could go on a double date with his girlfriend? Yes, I am. Definitely the person you want to talk to about mental health. So the marriage is definitely
0: in the process of breaking down.
1: I'm surprised to hear exactly.
0: that. Sarah and Ron have frequent fights. He kicks her when she's pregnant. Like, it, she recalled with or without an argument there'd be an upsurge of violence. The veins in his forehead would engorge. He'd hit her out of the blue. He broke her eardrum in one attack. Oh, and this is the kicker. But despite this, she still, quote, felt so guilty about the fact that he was so psychologically damaged. I felt as though he had given so much to our country and I couldn't even bring him peace of mind.
1: It's just like the king of
0: gaslighting. I believe thoroughly that he was a man of great honor and sacrificed his well-being to the country. It just never occurred to me he was a liar. (laughs) But that's what he is, a lying fucking liar. So, he told Sarah he didn't want to be married, but he couldn't really divorce her because the stigma would hurt his reputation. Oh, my God. Instead, he says, Sarah, if you really loved me, you'd kill yourself, which she attempts to do in November 1950 by taking sleeping pills. Ron blames the PR assistant for this and says to forget it with her, but they resume the affair He tries to, Ron tries to hypnotize Sarah into staying. Sarah goes to a psychiatrist to obtain advice, and the psychiatrist is like, you in danger, girl. She gave Elrond an ultimatum, like, you need to get treatment or I'm going to leave with Alexis. Natch, right? Yeah, I mean, or whether or not you get treatment. He's furious and threatens to kill Alexis. Rather than let Sarah have her, and on February 24th, 1951, he kidnaps both of them. Fuck. He doesn't hold them together. He threatens if Sarah can get Alexis back if she signs divorce papers saying everything's her fault. All of it's bad. But to make matters worse, old seaman Ronnie decides to write to the FBI. And says that Sarah and Miles Hollister, remember Double Date Man? Yeah, yeah. Are communists and drug addicts. We're in McCarthyism. Yeah, yeah, we are. It's good times. Sarah files a kidnapping complaint with oh. the Los Angeles Police Department, but they blow it off as a domestic yeah. dispute. She later files a writ of habeas corpus, and now shit hits the papers in LA. Cult founder accused of tot kidnap. Dianetic Hubbard accused a plot to kidnap wife hiding of baby charged to Dianetics author lying liar skips out of town over to Cuba to write some more lying lies to Sarah and about Sarah. And it's all bad. He then proposes to his PR assistant. Jesus Christ. Sarah files for divorce in April, charging Hubbard with extreme cruelty, great mental anguish and physical suffering. More toxic headlines. (laughs) Uh, I mean bigamy, kidnapping, systematic sure, torture Sure, sure Loss of sleep, beatings, strangulations, and scientific experiments Which I think translates to sex magic Sounds like a great guy Because of his crazy misconduct she's in hourly fear of her life for herself and her daughter Who she hasn't seen in two months Sure She consults doctors who say like Dude's nuts Like he's hopelessly insane or crazy Maybe he's a paranoid schizophrenic We don't know The divorce writ prompted a huge deluge of bad publicity for Ron, and even, here's what's awesome, Polly, ghost letter writer, swapper girl, ends up writing to Sarah, saying, if I can help in any way I'd like to, you must get Alexis in your custody, Ron is not normal, I had hoped you could straighten him out. Your charges sound fantastic to the average person, which I think is not good, but just unbelievable what, No, in exactly. That case.
1: Yeah, what, what you're saying here, it just beggars belief, but I yeah, know it's true it's, because I, I was married to him.
0: But I've been through it. The beatings, threats on my life, and all the statistics traits you charge, 12 years of it. Please Oof. do believe I so want to help you to get Alexis. Jesus. So even Polly comes back in. In May of 1951, Sarah files a further complaint, accusing him of fleeing to Cuba to avoid divorce papers. I mean, it's all just bad. He goes back to the FBI, blah, 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 blah. Fortunately for Sarah, the FBI ignores him like, hey, this dude's a fucking kook. In June of 1951, Sarah finally secures the return of Alexis, agreeing to cancel her receivership action and divorce suit. In turn for a guaranteed divorce. Pretty much, she is ready to say, whatever you want me to say, I retract the allegations, nothing happened, you're perfect, you're wonderful, give me my kid back and let me get the fuck out of here. Which happens. (sighs) She meets him in Wichita. He tells her she's in a state of complete madness. Oh my God. She plays along. She's like, you're right. The only way I he's like, I'm a public figure and you're nobody. Uh, He's awarded divorce on her gross, neglect of duty and extreme cruelty, which caused him a nervous breakdown, and impairment to health. It all turns around because she's like, she's like, whatever. Yeah. She did not give evidence. She was awarded custody of Alexis and $200 a month. She leaves Wichita as soon as the kid is handed back. She leaves the kid's clothes. She leaves her suitcase. Like there's a kid, Shoe laying on the tarmac She gets on that plane as fast As she can she's like I ran Across the airfield across the runways To the airport and got on the plane It was the 19th of June it was the happiest day Of my life Wow. <sighs> Ron persists uh, The rest of his life never really claiming Marriage to her just obliterates Her he's asked in later interviews I never had a second wife a- Alexis Like reaches out to him and she's like 21 He says I'm not your dad you were fathered by Jack Parsons, and you're not claimed to any of my inheritance. I mean, this, it's a trash bag. Um, a little bit of a happy part of the story, Sarah does subsequently marry Miles Hollister, sex god boy, uh, and they buy a house in Malibu. They eventually move to Hawaii and later Massachusetts, and she dies in 1997 after a presumably long and happy life with her double date set up by her. Crazy ex-husband
1: Yeah Trash bag Yeah Seaman
0: Ronnie Does marry again To marry Sue Whip In 1952 So Wife 2A Wife wife 3 Well 2 Wife 3 Wife 2A Yes She's a co-ed At the University of Texas Austin She gets involved In Dianetics And There's no second marriage Anyway Goodbye PR assistant So (laughs) This marriage lasts Until his death In 1986 Alleged death can't even (laughs) this marriage lasts until his death in 1986 ron and mary sue have four children she helps coin the term scientology she's a huge influence in all of his new jack fucking hustler plans that he comes up with for the rest of his life she ends up living with him on his rat infested boat in the 60s and 70s and gets involved in the upper management of the church so involved in fact she is indicted in the 80s on charges of conspiracy related to covert activities related to Scientology and Scientologists fucking with the feds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Which I do not recommend. That's been alleged. I do not recommend. Uh, Mary Sue gets five years on the slammer and a $10,000 fine and all fucking Ron is worried. like. He's not prosecuted. Seven of his, seven of his, they all take, yeah, they all take bullets for him, yeah. But all he's worried about is she's going to rat him out, right? He is a con artist and a huckster, and technically Mary Sue and Ron are no divorce, so I can wrap this trashy trash story. And if I encourage you, I just hate it. If you want to learn more about the original gangster (laughs) con man, Ellen. Elron Ron Hubbard is your guy. Uh, he dies in 1986 at his ranch. Perhaps. Mary Sue dies in 2002. Probably. I want to quit talking about him because I feel
1: skeezy now. Now do Jack Parsons.
0: Good. <laughs> Again, there is a really good interview on Indoctrination with Jamie DeWolf, the grandson of Elron is a con man, maybe he's insane. He's more than clearly a narcissist and is a hustler enough to know how to fool people with the sex magic religion. Yeah, he's which clearly he's convinced people into thinking of Scientology. I mean, he's
1: clearly got just overloaded amounts of charisma.
0: Five trash bags. Done with this guy. Cool. Let's take a break. That's my story.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi,
0: People, Influences, and Experiences.
1: Yes, it's sort of the uh, get-to-know-ya at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus watching on the youtube he's aging himself
0: okay i think i'm slightly calmed down stacy are you my readers are off yeah. my story put away
1: yeah you, pressure's off me you, you're a little amped i you're a little <sighs> We had to pause so you could go scream into a pillow for a while.
0: Dude, he is a straight-up hustler.
1: That that is, like, an upsetting level of, of like, emotional and mental abuse. Not to (sighs) mention physical. I mean,
0: all the way around. It's all bad. Who do you have for us this week in our podcast of no tears? Okay, so... No tears!
1: I have Jim and Tammy Faye Baker.
0: Oh, no tears, because... Uh, I don't are... want to
1: run my mascara. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, yeah. They're oh, almost, I can't wait. They're almost like the the cartoon version of of you. Like, you have a genuine sort of predatory. Actually, Jim Baker. Con man. Probably... I mean, is Jim Baker a con man? Oh.
0: man. <laughs> Let's do a- that. And
1: also a predator Ooh. while we're on the ooh, subject. Ooh. Uh, alleged
0: do tell what you got stacy
1: jim and tammy fay la met as students at north central university in minneapolis a bible college affiliated with the assemblies of god which is part of the pentecostal movement
0: okay Uh, wait bible college in a super cold state is already a hot house of trouble and i can see where this story is gonna go wrong
1: also, uh, and unrelated to the story, but I swear to God, like my entire life. I guess since I since I was young and learned that the word for rib, like the scientific word for rib is, is a costa. Costa. Sure. Coste. Like the cartilage around the ribs is the costal cartilage. Anyway, I you had are always so cute and weird now. I, I love had you. always thought that Pentecostal was somehow about like five ribs. I thought it related to the Really? Yeah, it's not. It doesn't. It's not, it's not it at all. I never thought that. But
0: what does it relate to? Is this it's a...
1: A, of the Pentecost? And oh. the Pentecost is not about five ribs either. You know what? I am not a religious person, so
0: I don't. This even is know. on our fashionable it's tinfoil our... hat conspiracy time podcast. On our
1: other podcast, <laughs> stuff Stacy doesn't know conspiracy time, but has really overthought somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the year was nineteen sixty. And the pair had come from seriously restrictive conservative Christian backgrounds. Joy was heavily regulated in their households. So Bible kids going to Bible college in a cold state
0: hot house. Ooh, it's going to go bad. Yeah.
1: So they marry in April of 1961, and they did not stick around in the mini apple. Mm. Where did they go? They booked it for Virginia, reversing the trek that so many enslaved people of color had made on the Underground Railroad seeking freedom in the North. Because if you're white, Christian preachers send more than a little kooky and shameless, what better place for you than the South? Th-
0: <laughs> we don't hide our crazy people in the South. <laughs> we put them on the front porch.
1: <laughs> Give them some sweet tea. Oh. Were they
0: stay a while? Were they... Were they preaching on the front porch yeah, at they, this point? Yeah, okay. they
1: left college to uh to to preach the For gospel their career. To, okay. to go be the evangelicals of the well, they didn't have those accents. Cause... So do you
0: have a rating on the sex magic involved in this couple or did my story win with
1: sex magic? Well Oh no. Oh no See, it's gonna get complicated.
0: Okay, go, 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 go. Okay. Go, go, In go, go.
1: 1966, they fell in with Pat Robertson and his oh. Christian Broadcasting Network. CBN. Robertson, Yeah. Robertson was the son of a U.S. senator who had attended Yale Law School, but he failed the New York bar. So rather than take it again or whatever, he moves to Virginia Beach. Because it's not uncommon to take the bar again. Like There are a
0: number of lawyers who take the super bar a number common. Of times. Yeah, it's yeah. a
1: very difficult test to but pass. But he just up, gives up. Gives up. Gives up. Moves to Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, uh. presumably gets a bunch of daddy's money, and buys his own UHF TV station so that he can begin broadcasting <laughs> Christian programming.
0: Now, do we know what qualifies him as a failed lawyer to be a messenger uh, of God? Uh,
1: yes, he did. He he went to seminary after... Oh, okay, great. So, great, like, great in 1959, night. he was credentialed as a as a preacher of some something or another. Sure,
0: okay, so... <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> what what you got? What you got? What so, you got? Preacher Robinson sitting on his front porch. Sitting here on his come Virginia Jim Beach, Channing
1: Virginia. Thing. Here come. Yep, 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 oh. yep, yep. Okay, so here's the fun part though. Jim oh, no. Jim Baker loved theater in high school. It's the only thing he loved. It was the only place because again, he grew up in this really restrictive household. He's a drama club kid. He's a drama club kid, and so theater is the only place he felt free. Like he loved theater. So, and Tammy Faye, like, has this great singing voice, like, so while they're doing their little itinerant preacher show, Jim preaches, and Tammy sings, and she plays the accordion, and, and it's a, it's a thing, it's a happening that they do.
0: Oh, this is gonna go so bad. Oh,
1: you're gonna, okay, the 700 Club, you've perhaps heard of it? Yeah. They found it, they're the founding, they're some of the founding members of the 700 Club on, on CBN, on Christian Broadcasting Network. Right. Uh, they host a children's show called Jim and Tammy, and then I put this in bold because I love the phrasing here. They created a puppet ministry for kids on CBN. <laughs> so no. basically, Robertson was trying to grow CBN and the 700 Club and like that was the flagship show. So he's trying to grow that so and it's before cable, it's before like, but he's the UHF channel and he's, he needs
0: programming. Well, I want to be on the air x amount of but hours, but he wants
1: more he wants more audience so he's, anyway in Charlotte, the network picked up the Seven hundred club for a while and then canceled it. <sighs> the owner of the station in Charlotte, a gentleman named Ted Turner, <sighs> really liked what Jim and Tammy were doing though, and so he calls him up and he's like, "Hey, now I've got a two hour slot open. Why don't you guys come to Charlotte and you are kid- we have know.
0: Ted Turner to fucking blame for this shit.
1: we have Ted Turner. To think <laughs> No, who like Ted Turner and or
0: Jane Fonda Like it's totally an episode future coming up Oh, for up, but sure
1: I think this was before Jane was it, This was before CNN this He's reaching out finding
0: day. some controversial programming Before CNN got yeah, dropped Yeah, because I on guess the, it was
1: TBS that he it first It was TBS test- Anyway, whatever no, I'm a
0: kid who grew up in Atlanta like TBS was my jam I came home from school Because the thing about TBS They broadcast everything on the O5 so you could actually check out what was happening at 3 o'clock on a station, and if you didn't like it, you could go to TBS at 3.05 and hook up with the Brady Bunch. Like, all of his programmings were on the 05 mark. It was a It was a weird thing growing up as a kid in Atlanta. All right. And how I know every Brady Bunch episode ever recorded. TBS. <sighs> okay. Please continue.
1: Okay, so... Ted Turner offers them two hours of airtime every day. Off they go to Charlotte. Sure. Uh, and that is where, in an empty furniture store, they launch the PTL Club. Praise the Lord. Uh, later known as Pass the Loot. <gasps> because oh. these people. H-U-S-T-L-E-R
0: hustlers. Hustlers.
1: Yeah, not long after this, they invested in a large satellite dish to broadcast their signal.
0: That they put on top of the furniture store?
1: Far and wide. I think they'd started building structures to house their ambitions. (laughs) Their two-hour daily show was set up like a late-night talk show.
0: As I look around our 1,300-square-foot house, I think about how large our ambitions are. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay, so this two-hour daily show was set up like a late-night talk show with Jim as the host and Tammy as his plucky, emotive sidekick, who would also, like, burst into singing and whatever. They interviewed religious leaders, actors, had musical segments, politicians, and in lieu of advertising, they put a phone bank beside the stage where everyone could see it, the cameras could see it, the audience. It was in front of a big audience. The audience could see it, and they just asked people to call into the phone bank. To donate money. Well, sure. I assume, I mean, this was the 70s. I assume you could give them a credit card number, but it it may all have been pledges where they would then send you like a... Their little handwritten check for $4. Well, well, Yeah. yeah, or they send you an envelope that's... Anyway, very primitive, but... What year is this? This thing starts in 74. Jeez. Okay. Primitive, but... Effective. Oh, my God. By the late 70s... PTL was pulling in $120 million annually. What? In 1970s money? In 1970s money, estimates... Holy crap! Yeah, estimates were that viewer contributions exceeded a million dollars a week. Holy smokes. Probably many times that. In 1978, PTL spent two- God is not pleased. But, listen, they put in a water park... In 1978, they spent $200 million to build a theme park and a with a water park called Heritage USA that became the third most successful theme park in America behind Disneyland and Disney World. You are
0: joking.
1: I'm not. They were prosperity gospel people.
0: Before prosperity gospel I mean, was cool. Yeah.
1: They, I mean, they kind of pioneered it, I think. Yeah. They expressly told their viewers that Jesus wanted the viewers to be rich. Jim and Tammy were certainly rich, thanks to those same viewers. They were absolutely shameless in displaying their wealth. They had an air-conditioned doghouse oh. on their oceanfront compound. Well, sure. Ruby Tallulah may get out on the beach if she had an air-conditioned doghouse. Maybe. Um, as As far as the viewers were concerned... Jim and Tammy's attitude was, what better way to show your devotion to Jesus than to send money to God via PTL? So they convinced them that when they gave to PTL, God would reward them, and that the more they gave, the bigger God's reward would be. No.
0: Nobody. These are
1: not good people. Nope, Meanwhile, nobody. I mean, they are famously having shopping sprees they're purchasing homes in uh, the uh, desert and homes in California like as the con got bigger uh, regulators began to pay more attention to them yeah, in 1979 the fcc opened an investigation into whether ptl had misused funds it had <coughs> and whether jim and tammy Faye were using ptl money for personal expenses they were they were, were. <laughs> However, like by the time the investigation wrapped up, oh, Ronald Reagan was president. I was about to say like I and, had a flash of a uh, not
0: well, he could be Seaman Ronnie too. I don't
1: know. But I mean, yeah, like who had put Reagan in the White House, evangelicals? Oh. So there's there there's always been a lot of speculation that cuz there were a, there were a lot of investigations in the late 70s, early 80s about this group that always found wrongdoing. And no charges were ever brought until.
0: Okay, so I'm actually tipsy enough that I think fashionable tin, ho- tin foil hat conspiracy time podcast needs to be a thing on Patreon where we talk about this shit because I believe that oh, like I do evangelicals too. made their yeah ascension
1: yeah during Reagan. that
0: time yeah. Mostly led by Jim and Tammy Faye, which is why when whatever you're gonna tell me, you're gonna tell me happens later, it was such a
1: <gasps>
0: scandal.
1: Yeah, no, the tele I mean you've yeah, you've got Pat Robertson, Jimmy I mean Swagger. they were the
0: OG televangelists.
1: Mm-hmm. Kinda, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess Robertson was the first.
0: But But he didn't have pretty plucky Tammy.
1: No, he Faye
0: did singing with a pretty voice and crying with drama club all the kid time. by his side. Right. Good Lord.
1: All right. So all of these, all these investigations consistently show that, yeah, there's stuff going wrong there, but no one does anything until 1987. Because
0: Reagan has Alzheimer's and somebody's caught up with him?
1: No, it comes out, I think maybe through the Charlotte Observer, that Jim Baker had directed the payment of $279,000 to a former PTL secretary named Jessica Hahn. Oh, I know. Uh huh. I know. Everyone who was alive then knows that name. So, Jessica Hahn uh, had been a secretary with the PTL. Mm. Mm. And in 1980, when she was 21, was when she was the secretary. Jim Baker drugged and raped her (gasps) along with another PTL show co host.
0: At the same time?
1: I think Uh. consecutively. um, She did not refer to it as rape at the time, but. No doubt we would do so today. Like, what mm. what she says happened... Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Um. So Han ended up all over television news and chat shows. Jim and Tammy Faye had been famous in a mainstream way. Like, I remember as a kid, I mean, you just... When you're flipping channels... They were around, yeah. Yeah, you would inevitably come across them. My parents hated them, just thought they were con artists, which it turns out they were... I- um, st hustlers yeah so like han ends up famous right like she poses for playboy uh-huh. she's in a music video she dated sam kennison for a while like she ended up genuinely famous i don't know what that says about any of the scandal or anything she definitely ducked out of public life at some point and returned to a relatively normal private life i think she's married now and stable and return to
0: reality yeah
1: not interested in in all that but you know she was raised a Christian and she was super excited when she was invited to come and work at PTL because here she thinks she's meeting a man of God the, yeah and these were yeah. people she idolized and uh, this motherfucker like mm. drugged her and raped her and oh. uh, always insisted it was consensual of course so this scandal hits gaslight yeah so, Jim uh, Jim tries to tough it out for a while, figuring, like, you know, the scandal will blow over, like, his followers want to... I did not have sexual relations with but, that. Well, no, he's... Because he, it was about the said time he, of... He said he had. Oh. He just... It definitely was consensual. Oh. So, he's finally forced to resign from the PTL in March of 87. Is mm. that the year we're at? Um, they recruit... Jim and Tammy recruit Jerry Falwell... <laughs> And it just gets better. Oh, it gets so much worse. <laughs> um, I know. Like, if they, if they can we play the Darth Vader March? Is that copyrighted? Like, dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, okay, so dun, 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 Jerry Falwell steps in to lead PTL oh, no. after Baker leaves, but oh. both Jim and Tammy believe this will be a temporary thing until the scandal, you know, blows over. Sure. Then, several men from within PTL come forward. To acknowledge sexual relationships with Jim Baker. What? <laughs> Seriously? And I mean, honestly, what? if you watch him on television, you're like, yeah, I can see that. Totally. He's a theater kid. It- Jerry Falwell was a lot of things. Very few of them good. But what he was not was a friend to the gays. Like once the like, I don't know. Obviously, he's in charge of PTL now. He can see all of the books. He can he can see this massive financial fraud that oh has been God. ongoing for years. And I doubt that in his mind, even before he found the fraud, I doubt he was ever going to let that go. He was ever going to give it back to the bakers. But once somebody said, oh, no, he's a homosexual. I know because I'm a homosexual too. At least two. Oh, my God. And really, there were... I found an article from the time... The grand jury questioned a number of men in the organization about whether they'd had... Because some of them were paid crazy amounts of money in tiny, tiny periods of time. So I think there was a lot of speculation that Baker was having sex with men and paying them off.
0: Well, look how far
1: you've come. Yeah. So... Wow. Yeah, once the gay rumors hit... Wow. Falwell was finished with them... He called Jim the greatest scab and cancer on the face of Christianity in mm. two thousand years of church history, which he could really only get away with saying because the Catholic Church child sex abuse scandal didn't break for a few more years. Um, but well, yeah. was the first scab
0: two thousand years ago? Jesus, like that, didn- doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Well, no, he's just he's just saying this is the the oh the, the greatest scab since the beginning of Jesus since yeah since Good scabs. <laughs> Go
0: ahead. <laughs> It's
1: scabs. Okay, so now that the accounting was out of Jim's hands, the scale of the financial crimes started to be realized. Oh, man. No. One of the big scams that they did kind of late in the game was uh, that PTL peddled these, like, like give us a gift of $1,000, and you'll get a lifetime membership or, like, an exclusive partnership or whatever, some, some specific thing that entitled that member to a four-night stay at the Heritage USA hotel.
0: Oh no.
1: Every year for the rest of their life. Once a year. Oh god. They sold something like 70,000 of these. Jesus Christ. How many rooms do you think that hotel had?
0: <laughs> Not 70,000. Not
1: 70,000. Had 500 rooms. Jim pocketed 3.4 million out of this. The totality of the fraud that the PTL perpetrated on its loyal followers Can't even funders. God. Was 158 million dollars Jim Baker Tammy was never indicted Jim Baker swindled 158 million dollars Out of America's Christians No tears And they continued to love that motherfucker All through his trial All like, What is with the brainwashing? It's brainwashing it, In 1988 he was indicted If you can't tell there's
0: a con going on You are the fucking Mark It's the truth Hello, America,
1: 2019. It's the truth. Go ahead. Um, Also, during some of these investigations that went nowhere, uh, Jim fundraised off of them, calling them witch hunts. (laughs) Yeah, just, it all ties together. Send me money, the deep state is trying to steal my TV show. Send me money. (laughs) Uh, That's not how he talks, but whatever. Witch hunt. Okay, so, 88. 88. He is indicted on eight counts of mail fraud, 15 counts of wire fraud, and one count of conspiracy. Uh -uh. A jury finds him guilty on all 24 counts. The judge is pissed. (laughs) You think? And in (laughs) in his sentencing memo, he writes something like, those of us who actually have faith, you know, like... Some really pointed language sentences him to forty five years in prison. What? Yeah, really, really. One point of irony: as all the financial shenanigans came to light, it turns out that the the water park, the theme park, Heritage USA, was seventy two million dollars in debt, <sighs> even though it was pulling in one hundred and twenty six million a year at one point. How? I... This is not the this debt. Not this is you. not what led to it closing. In September of 1989, Hurricane Hugo made landfall not far away and chewed its way over the park, causing significant damage. It never reopened. Interestingly, Tammy Faye Baker was never... You know, the
0: universe works in some fucked up, mysterious ways. I
1: mean, put a pin in that, it comes back around. Okay, so Tammy Faye was not indicted in any of this. Like, it's weird. Everybody was like, but she was spending all of this money. Like, she had to know. Right. But... I don't know. Maybe she genuinely like wasn't signing any doc. Like I don't know, but she was never indicted. She stood by her man through the Han scandal, and then but he's in jail for forty-five years. Massive fraud trial. Three years into his prison sentence, she files for divorce. Oh. And apparently, this is not a trashy thing at all. Like they just divorce. Tammy had always been his relentlessly upbeat sidekick. I can sing. And her husband had apparently been having affairs with both men and women, not to mention sexually assaulting at least one woman. No, 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 no. And robbing their business and their loyal followers blind for years. So, three years later, Tammy Faye wises up. Yeah, I think, yeah. She was lonely and sad and, yeah, she filed for for the least trashy divorce. Yeah, there was like, this obvious buffoonery, because she had these, she would just like break down in tears all the time on TV. Like this, that was the big there joke. There were a lot of the, like the mascara and the yes. tears. It was a thing. Yeah. But she also had what seems to have been a, a completely genuine empathy in the mid 80s when they were on the top of the world. She interviewed a gay minister who had AIDS and talked frankly about topics really? like his coming out and the death of his partner and she urged Christians to be compassionate to people with the disease and to their gay brethren. Aww. She was also an advocate for people with substance abuse problems, an issue that she herself dealt with. Prescription drugs. Well, you'd probably
0: do prescription drugs if your husband was pulling that kind of con every your fucking You're face. You're not kidding. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So after the PTL collapsed and she divorced Jim, she turned into something of a gay icon and appeared at gay pride events and just was... Oh! at her and her little revolution which is totally crazy because she came from this like fundamentalist background way to and go tammy faye yeah yeah uh, in 1993 she married an old ptl hand named roe messner who was a wealthy property developer sure uh he was sorry he was described in ptl literature as a church builder <clears throat> unfortunately because everything associated with ptl turned to shit Oh no! Roe himself ended up convicted of bankruptcy fraud in 1996 and served 27 months. This oh, God. Did not they stayed married? Okay. Um, Tammy Faye died of cancer in 2007, having largely won the public's admiration for persevering through her struggles. Hey man, if you win the gays, yeah, right? You're,
0: you're, you're it's like you love dogs and cats and gays. Yeah, like if you can win the gays. Oh yeah,
1: psh- yeah, yeah. Uh, Hey, Cher. In 1999, there was a documentary called The Eyes of Tammy Faye that was narrated by RuPaul. Oh. Which I keep meaning to watch, but have not. Talk Um, about winning the gays. And I think I remember this, too. She appeared on the Drew Carey show a couple of times as the mother of... Do you remember? Did you ever watch the show? A little bit, yeah. There's a character named Mimi who... who Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Tammy Faye came on and played her mom. So they both (gasps) had this like makeup... Yeah, they were like makeup addicts. In real life, or whatever. It, anyway, it, it, it's funny, because it's funny, but if you weren't there, you probably missed it. Uh, she wrote some autobiographies. She appeared on a season of VH1's The Surreal Life, oh. alongside, here's our buddy porn star Ron Jeremy, again, the hedgehog. I am still, like, <laughs> you're never going to New York you're on so, your own, unattended. You're so impressed that I know his nickname is The Hedgehog. I am. Um,
0: had... Okay. When it comes to who is the purveyor of weird, salacious, fucked up, gossipy details between you and I, 99 times out of 100, it's going to be me. Oh, well, that building was originally owned by... Sure.
1: This, it's never you. The Hedgehog listener
0: stunned me.
1: Hedgehog. Please. Anyway, Vanilla Jeez. Ice was on it, too. Ice. Ice. And I think what happened is that again, I think she was invited on because of her buffoonery, but it's like she's everybody's house mom. Yeah, and I don't know, like she just warmed hearts. Uh, Do you think she's Kitty Foreman like 25 years later? That's interesting. That's kind of the picture I get.
0: Oh, I'm drinking my cocktail, but I have a big hair. Yeah, a little
1: bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her dumbass ex-husband. On the other hand, I was hand, about to say what happened. To, what happened to Jimmy Boy? Continues to pollute America and uh. our airwaves. Uh, he appealed his forty-five year sentence, and it was ultimately reduced to eight. He was paroled in nineteen ninety-four after serving about five. What? I say that's kind of fair because A white male privilege. No, but I mean.
0: Comparative to other white male privilege sentences?
1: Compared to a lot of violent crimes, 45 years is way more than... I mean, I get $158 million is a huge fraud. Anyway, in 2003, uh, he remarried wife number two, oh. Lori, or he married wife number okay. two, Lori. He launched a daily broadcast called The Jim Baker Show. Sure he does. Out of Branson, Missouri.
0: Missouri. Missouri. Missouri.
1: Missouri. 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 He's given up on his prosperity gospel. Yeah, you think. And now he is all apocalyptic visions.
0: <gasps> no. Which allows
1: him to hawk buckets of freeze-dried food and other survivalist bullshit every day on his show out of Branson, Missouri. Does he
0: know about Johnny Wayne, who's hunting for gold
1: in them there hills? They because... should go hunt together. Uh, he believes the end times are upon us, and that we should arm up and buy his twenty-year shelf-life food products. I genuinely is he on TV yeah. anymore? Yeah.
0: Is he really? Yeah.
1: I think five days a week. Yeah. Oh my god. It's carried by a bunch of like religious programming network. Like, this guy should not be allowed to hawk product or whatever. Like. <gasps> People who run networks should not let people like this on their networks. You own the platform. He is a con man. (laughs) Perhaps because of Hurricane Hugo's impact on his water park. (laughs) His
0: water park. Jim
1: Baker continues to believe that hurricanes are a signal of God's wrath and said that Hurricane Harvey was a symbol of something and blamed Barack Obama for Hurricane Matthew. I Obama. think, Matthew. I know. I don't know what Obama was supposed to have done, but in any case. Weirdly, uh, the divorce in the story is the least trashy part. So I, I'll, that it's like one trash can. So they divorced amicably
0: and carried on their separate ways. I don't, know that, I don't know that they ever spoke again. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. There was an interview with him after he got out of prison, and he said that he was still in love with Tammy, and... Well, like, for someone,
0: Tammy's faith furtherance of her... Well, but
1: someone asked, like, when she was interviewed, someone asked her about that, and she was like, well, I guess it means I did something right in the marriage. Thanks, Jim. Wow. I mean, it was really...
0: I continue to grow and evolve on a very human path, and mm-hmm. fuck you, motherfucker.
1: Um, so, yeah, while uh, while it was not a particularly trashy divorce, I think we can all keep mightily hoping that if there is a God, it punishes Jim Baker pretty mercilessly for a really long time.
0: H-U-S-T-L-E-R, <laughs> Hustler. What a
1: scumbag. And that's the bakers. Okay, so here's the thing.
0: <laughs> the whiskey's kicked in, and I'm going to tell you, if you are a messenger of Jesus, and you have a private plane, and a bank account that ends in an S...
1: Millions. Oh, okay. I was like, mm, I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. No. Like. And a like an, an account balance with right. Ten or twelve zeros.
0: Like I really do have some. We have some friends, who are religiously attached in different parishes, and none of those people are floating in a lot of dough. I think there's a. There's just so much conspiracy for God, man, and it's wrong. Ire, no tears. Podcast, no tears.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, I was wondering if I would get a little teary about the the later life of Tammy Faye. There was. She a, sounds like a fucking gem. There, I think there was a. It's. I think it was 2020. Did a piece on them in January, which I only found out. Like, everyone is scooping me. No, um. Thanks,
0: New York Times. But but,
1: yeah, right. But I watched it the other night. And when it started, I was just, I mean, I just wanted to strangle both of them because I knew what was coming. And I, like, again, I remember this from when I was a kid. But as the story progresses, like, it really does become difficult not to feel like Tammy should have known better earlier, like, I'm still a little surprised she wasn't indicted, but she was not indicted. She was not found guilty of this fraud. And the rest of her life, she lived in a different way yeah. than... Well,
0: no, that's the thing. When you know better, you do better. And you have to sometimes go through that, like, dating the guy who threatened suicide unless you... Like, when you know better, you do better. And then you don't do that shit anymore because you're like, nope, I'm pretty cool. Yeah. Ah. Okay, podcast no tears. Yeah. But lots of lamentation and scuzzy behavior.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just again, I am not a religious person. And the more the more we do this podcast, the more I'm like, I don't know if anyone should be. Like it seems like religion gets wrapped up in a lot of these in a very negative way. It's weird, right? Just wait till we do Bill O'Reilly. Oh, oh my god. Like
0: I'm a... like, whoever Whatever makes you not like, not act like an asshole is who I am all for. Sure. If it is God or Buddha or Muhammad or your pot dealer, I don't give a shit. Don't be a dick. Right. That's rule number one. Right. And let's say that maybe both of our guys this week had some of their be a dick behavior on full display. And let's be done with this trashy divorces. No tears. I need another drink out see you next week stay single don't marry a religious cult leader yeah there you go no matter how cool he is in the drama club or befriending an indian fucking chief and making up lies about himself god good lessons good lessons hey we'll be back with an empathy podcast next week but we just need to get angry maybe (laughs) cheers y'all cheers